so much more. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words, found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I am excited to have Margaret Feinberg with me as we have a conversation around a portion of Psalm 51 and what the Lord is teaching her. Margaret is a popular Bible teacher and speaker at churches and conferences, and she's also an amazing author who has written too many books for me to count, but many of them are on my short list of favorites like Fight Back with Joy, Taste and See, and More Power to You. So welcome, Margaret. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. What a delight and joy. Jody. I love spending time with you. So this is just super fun. I totally agree. Well, I left all the fun things out of your bio about who you really are besides a writer and speaker. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are? Yeah. So I married a giant and I bought a tiny. Uh, My husband (laughs) is amazing and he's six foot eight and I'm only five foot six. So when he puts on his cologne, he puts it on his belly and I'm like, honey, you smell so good whenever I hug him. But to balance out my giant, we have a four pound dog and his name is Zoom and he's a forever puppy, meaning everybody thinks he's a puppy and he's actually two and he's pretty magical and cuddly and very scared of big dogs. (laughs) Those are two great things about you. And that's exactly what I was hoping you would tell us about. Um, Well, I want to give people a quick reminder about the passage that we are in before we dive in. So let me read it for us again. It is Psalm 51 verses one through four and verse 10. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Well, Margaret, we did this passage as a Lectio and asked the Lord to draw our attention to a word or phrase. So where did the Lord take you as you meditated on this passage? It's kind of a word that I wouldn't want to say because it sounds a little mm, self-oriented, but actually the word, and and I, I would almost call it like word and cousin word were the me. It was, mm. it was the me and my, and my, and me, and my, and my, and my, I'm reading them all because mm-hmm. there's so many of them. Um, me, you know, I mean, I'm just like, wow. Okay. So clearly um, you're not speaking to someone else right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. <laughs> so, so as you are talking to the Lord about that, tell me a little bit more about where did you go with the me's and the my's? Yeah. So I think a couple things. Um, 
first of all, it is, this is a, this is a call to repentance. This is a call to introspection, to, to, to recognize. I mean, I love that it starts have mercy on me. Oh God, there's a classic prayer um, from ancient texts that says, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, and, and, oh God. And, and that sense, like I, I do have, and since a super heavy religious word, but it's, it can be encapsulated in the concept of basically self-destructive behavior. Um, that's what sin is. And in that self-destructing, you can destruct other people along the way, but it was have mercy on me. Oh God, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, Mm -hmm. cleanse me from my sin Uh, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And I was like, God, I so often love to look at other people's sin. I love to cast judgment. I love to see, it's easy to see other people, but what you're saying is, is take a hard look through the lens of Christ, along with the spirit into my own heart, where my own sin, my own selfishness, my own silly, stupid decisions where, where, where I have chosen to do things that I know I shouldn't, that little quiet voice inside was like, red flag, red flag. And I was like, put on the gas <laughs> Drive right through it. <laughs> yep. And yeah. And I think that sense of it, it is my sin. Um, I know that even it's interesting because we talked about doing this podcast, you know, a few months ago and you sent this passage and I remember skimming it and being like, okay, cool, cool. And yet in the season of life that I'm in right now, it was really profound this week as I just sat down with this passage um, because I have been in this season of repentance and grief, mm. um, honestly, for, for what I... I am seeing in our, in our nation, what I'm seeing around our world, what I'm seeing in the, the Americana flavored church, what I'm seeing in my own life and the ways that I have contributed to all of these things. I have been in the season of saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I mean, these are like, forgive me, God, forgive me. And, um, and I think this, this passage and the me's and the my's was like, you know, there is this sense that things are very awry, very upside down in our world right now. But that transformation, the season of repentance doesn't begin with church leaders. It doesn't begin with a political party. It begins with me and my, and on that individual basis. Yeah. I mean, I resonate a thousand percent with everything you're saying about how much easier it is to look out and cast blame on others. And this is such a profound psalm of doing introspective work. And where is it that we have to do a reckoning for our actions and our contribution and our sin um, to the broken, you know, to the brokenness that is in our world and to the brokenness that is um, in relationships with other people, even in our relationship with the Lord. And um, I do, I resonate with that so much. So you keep talking to the Lord about that. Tell me a little bit more about where you guys went. Yeah. You know, another passage came to mind, which often happens when you're setting one passage and I went and I looked it up and it, it's Matthew seven, three, cause I didn't want to get the wording, you know, too too off base, but it, it begins there and it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of my eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
And, and as I thought of that, it was that sense of you will see clearly, but mm-hmm. only after you do the hard work that is the invitation of the Psalm passage that is, you know, wash away my right. iniquity, my transgressions, my sin. Um, again, quoting all the, these different phrases mm-hmm. and words in this passage. Um, and, and so I think for me, I was like, yeah, I, I am not seeing clearly think some things that are small are looking enormous right now. And probably some things that are looking small, you know, enormous are really small and it's very distorted right now in our culture. And in this time in history, um, a pandemic, um, a shift in, in technology, none of these things have been helpful in this. And so it's to, to this, to create in me a pure heart which is the heart cry of this. I, I need that pure heart because when I have a pure heart, I will see clearly. Yeah. And, and so part of it is the confession of God, forgive me. I am not seeing clearly. I am yeah. so bogged down with my own struggles. And, and that's the story of this Psalm, you know, the backstory as, as I know, you know, but we'll just recap real quick is David has been confronted by the prophet Nathan about his sin, his sin of adultery, his sin of murder. And the way he's confronted is basically doing pointing to other people. Well, that person's wrong. And, and Nathan kind of backs him into a corner. It's a very interesting story. Um, it's just, that's exactly what happens to him is he's trying to take the log out of someone else's eye, declaring that he just has a speck in his own and Nathan turns it around on him. And that is where David falls on his face with the awareness of his own sin. And that is how he can just pour these words out. Uh, and they're words for all of us. They're, they're words like you're just saying right now, Margaret, have mercy on me. This is not just about David, although David wrote it. These are words for us in the church today. These are words we need to use for, comp- uh, for confession and repentance and so, yeah, I mean, everything you're saying just lines up even with the intent and heart of where this Psalm even came out of. Tell me more. What, what else did you, where else did you go with the Lord in this? Yeah. The other was the strong contrast between the me and my and the your and you. And it's interesting um, in this particular translation, but, but here I am, I am in my sin and honestly, I'm helpless in it. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Pull myself up by the boat straps, try really harder. Ain't worked so far. I'll just tell you that after 40 something, <laughs> it ain't working. And so, so the contrast that I can, that, that sort of the look in this was, you know, the me and the my and the sin is to your unfailing love, your great compassion against you. You only, you are right in your verdict. You are justified when you judge. And so the only hope in this is God and taking the me and my in, in, in just self-destructive, prideful, uh, arrogant, foolishness and go, God, I turn to you, your unfailing love that wraps around me, your great compassion that sees my sin and loves me enough in it, through it and to cleanse me from it and to set me free from it you know, you, you, you will judge all these things and and not just the sin in my life, but all that's going on everywhere. You you God, I I can rest a little bit more at peace. I can have a pure heart. Maybe I can see a little bit more clearly when I realize you are right in your verdict, Mm -hmm. because what I am seeing right now is not right. In so many, 
so many places, whether the human atrocities, the abuse, the way narcissism has crept into the church today, the money that is driving religious institutions, the um, it, it is ugly, it is awful, the sexual scandals that are coming out from people who have proclaimed a very different life. I mean, it is, it is, and I can get so beat down and so overwhelmed. All I have to do, I just open the newspaper and I can't even, I'm like, ah, and, and yet, yet when I step back and I come back to this, like, okay, I have my sin. I can take it to God. I can receive his love and I can trust that he is right in his verdict. That's right. Because I, I can't see. And, and so there's this freedom. Yeah. I'm asking God to do what only he can do because, because nobody else is stepping up the plate and I, there's nobody else. Like, sorry, I'm not, I'm sort of like only God. No, I'm like, no, nominate someone else. Cause they're not working. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you're right. And even a great leader that tried to set all this right would still fall so very short of God's ultimate good. And only God can actually get us out of this mess. And thankfully he is going to. Uh, and so we long for that day, you know, and that's the hope. It's interesting. Even as you're talking, you know, we're, this Psalm is confessing, repenting, laying ourselves before God and asking him to do a work on us. And the beautiful thing is that we get to do that with this full assurance that he will, because of Jesus, that he has forgiven us, that when we lay ourselves to him, it's not, oh, are you going to? It's thank you, Lord, that you do. And that's even, I think, as, as I read this Psalm and I, and I pray these words, have mercy on me. Oh God, I know he does. I, I say it with the assurance that he has mercy on us. And that's, that's the good father piece that, um, we can go to him in that. Um, was there anything else that just kind of surprised you or any other places that you went? Yeah, there was a line. Um, there, there were two lines that I, 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 that kind of popped, but also one I struggled with the one that kind of popped was when it says in verse three, it says, and my sin is always before me. And that popped off because I realized is it, is it really? Cause honestly, most days I am not looking like, who's going to be like, uh, uh, morning, morning, let's go hunt for sin in my life. And so that's not really like my sin is always before me. If I choose to look, mm. if I invite the spirit in and, but this, the, the sin again, is not the focus. Like I'm not inviting it, it, the spirit in and, and being like, okay, let's make sin big in my life. So we really zero in on that. No, it is help me identify. So these little like stickers, when you walk through a field that stick to your clothes, like let's pull those off mm. because then we walk freer and more, free, you know, just lighter and easier and, and all that, that stuff just fades away. And, and so the invitation to look that my sin is always before me is actually a gift and not something to be hesitant or shy about. Mm. Mm. And then the line right after that, I think I struggled with a little bit. It said, verse four, it said against you, you only have I sinned. And I just be honest, like I really struggled with that. Cause I'm like, Oh no, no, no. My sin affects a whole lot of other people. <laughs> well, and I think let's talk about that for a minute, because I think yeah. not just your sin, everyone's sin affects a whole lot of people. And we've been impacted by the sin of others and it's deeply painful. So we know then what is, what is David talking about here? You know, because we know our sin absolutely impacts others. 
Yeah. So did, did you come up with, did you come up with something there? No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I thought about it, but like, let me give you a classic example. Um, you know, I've really, I struggle when, you know, you get all, you get stack of bills. There's so many things wrong. You end up pushing nine and two on the telephone, trying to get a hold of a customer servant agent. Can I get an amen? Anybody out there here you get <laughs> trapped in these holes? And I'm like calling back for the seventh time, trying to break through the, I cannot talk to a human representative. You want to talk, you want to give your, you know, agent, like I I can't. And, and so by the time I get to a person, sometimes I'm like, I am so desperate. I can't believe your phones. And I'm like, okay, the person answering the phone, they don't control the phone system. That's right. Like, like they're, they're making like no money and, and being yelled at all day. <laughs> and on far too many days of my life, I have contributed to that. And that is my selfishness. That is my lack of patience. That is my greed. That is my easily annoyance. That is all the, everything that is not of the fruit of the spirit, my lack of gentleness. And, um, and that sin, it's like just keeping one more spoon of ugly on these precious humans mm-hmm. made in the image of God doing their very best. And on a good day, I'm going out of my way to make them laugh, to be goofy, to engage them, to bless them, to overly thank them, all those things. But on my dark days, um, you know, it, it does, I'm, I'm not kind, I'm not loving. And that sin affects other people. So I think when you come back to that line against you, you only have, I sinned. Uh, yes. But there, there is a sin splashes. Yeah, it does. And this particular sin destroyed a lot of lives. Like yeah. it, the impact was very far reaching for David. I'm wondering if he's being a bit hyperbolic here, you know, like, yes, the sin I did to the customer servant, servant service agent, or the sin that I did to someone else that was terrible. But what was really terrible is how it offended you, God. What's really terrible is how it broke the whole structure that you put together and how there has to be death to pay for sin. And, Mm. you know, and so I, I, Yes, there because it has somehow we have to reconcile that that's not entirely true as the words stand on the page because yes, mm-hmm. we have sinned against God, but we have also sinned against mm-hmm. our fellow brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So perhaps he's just being a bit hyperbolic. I don't know. I love that. And also I think there is sometimes I struggle in my own mind just as we're talking this through, like in the mind of like, okay, I have sinned against God. I was not honest or I did something wrong. But, but sometimes like I was with a friend just yesterday and I just said, I'm so sorry. I feel like I was insensitive when I said this thing and anyway, we texted back and forth and we're all good. But, but I never thought about my insensitivity to her, honestly, being a sin against God. And so I think for me, sometimes I can compartmentalize. Mm. And so, well, you know, like, okay, so cool, cool, we're fixed in the relationship, but I haven't gone to God and got, been like, God, that thing that I did, I still need you to forgive me. And I need you to set me free of this behavior yeah, and break this pattern through the power of Christ and what he's done. And, and so I, I don't know that's in the text, but that's, that's what that made me think too. Well, I mean, I think we do it both ways. Sometimes we think we can hide our sin and only God knows about it. And we're getting away with it, mm-hmm. so to speak in the world's eyes. Um, and then sometimes we think we can hide it from God and deal with it interpersonally with other people. And the truth is they can't be detached. Sin yeah. is sin. And it the devastating consequences of it lead to death, 
ultimately mm-hmm. that's, that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully the end of the story truly is that Jesus came to bring life and restore life for us. Uh, so it's really not the end of the story. It was just a, a little light comma, but, <laughs> um, yeah, oh, that's so good, Margaret. Thank you for sharing all of that. You know, I, I've been thinking a little bit about your book, more power to you, because I think it ties into this. And I think it ties into creating space for God and tell us a little bit about your book. Tell us about how it came to be. Yeah. You know, I was in a place a couple of years ago. It was actually pre pre pandemic. I feel like there's, you know, BC, there's another BC (laughs) and post pandemic, but they're both P's. So we're going to have to come up with something different before COVID and after COVID (laughs) we're all waiting on the AC. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. But, um, but I think there's this, um, season that I was in, I was just really struggling and, and just with my thought life. And I was just so discouraged and beat down and, um, in that, and, and just, it just got dark and existential questions and just struggling in life. And I remember a friend, uh, we were having lunch one day, my friend, Chris, and he just said, Margaret, I don't know when and where it happened, but you have made agreements with the universe that are not true. And I was like, what? That sounds a little woo woo. Uh, but he, he started to unpack like where I'd had this verve and this sense of life and hopefulness and ministry and just, just every day. And it slowly eroded over the last few years. And what I realized is that a lot of it had to do with the way that I was thinking that it, it, there were these passing thoughts, you know, that are like, oh, you know, getting older is the worst, or it's only a matter of time until the other shoe drops or, um, I mean, things we all think, you know, um, it's only, it, you know, if, if it's going to be done right, right. I got to do it myself <laughs> or I need to make everybody happy or uh, th- things will never get better. Um, and these thoughts, uh, they, they passed by my head, but eventually I started to build a nest in my head for them. And, you know, Brian scientists will tell you that the thoughts that you think will over time, if you think the same thought, it will start to build, not just you go from a gravel path in the woods to like a super highway in your brain, going to these kind of thoughts and Mm -hmm. conclusions. And I remember coming home from that conversation with Chris and and doing what the psalm is saying, you know, I began repenting and saying, God, I am so sorry. Where, where, please show me Holy spirit. Like, what have I been believing that is not true? that I have been trapped in this kind of thinking. And I just wrote all these, these statements down that just came to mind, much like what I just shared with you. And at the end of that, um, I, I started to think, man, okay, so if I'm thinking these things, how do I realign my thoughts? If God can forgive me for my sin and, and this, this believing things that are just so anti the truth of who, you know, I'm created to be in Christ and called to be like, surely, surely there's got to be an antidote for that. And that in fact was, was scripture. And so I started to look at these lies and counter them with the truths of scripture. And, and I'd seen my husband doing kind of these daily affirmations. And I thought, well, what if, what if I created a list that was just deeply rooted in in scripture. And so I I started to write this out and I just started to say it every morning. It took maybe 90 seconds, not a big deal, like 90 seconds. That's doable. Mm -hmm. And and it starts out with statements like Jesus is King of my life. I am who Christ says I am. I take every thought captive. I break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. My purpose is to love, serve, glorify, and enjoy God forever. Shame is not my power, not my master. God's power is perfected in my vulnerability. 
And, and as I started saying these, I remember I just 90 seconds a day, you know, within a few weeks, my husband looks at me and he goes, I don't know what happened has happened, but you are lighter and freer mm-hmm. than I have seen in months. And so exactly what we're talking about in this passage of like that power of repenting. And, and it's not just identifying your sin, but it's saying, I'm going to turn a hundred and I'm going to turn opposite day. Every day is going to be opposite day. I'm going to do the opposite thing today. <laughs> And, and so rather than have these dark thoughts, I'm going to start building new ones that, that align with the truth of, of scripture. And man, I started doing this, you know, probably about a year, but you know, BC before COVID <laughs> and, um, and I had no idea how much it would mean once the pandemic hit. And I mean, these are printed out. Literally, there's one next to the toilet, way too much information. <laughs> you know, I got one in my car in the back of my Bible. And I say these each day and it, it, it just, there's something about that. That's like rewiring my brain um, with the truth of scripture that when the false thoughts do come, I, there's something else that says, no, 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 wait, wait, er, er, press the brakes. No, 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 no. Jesus is King of my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's powerful and that's yeah. freeing. And I think in a different expression, that's what we're doing, you know, through your podcast is saying, okay, scripture, I, I want to not just read the scripture. I want to have the scripture read me. Mm-hmm. And in these daily declarations of scripture, those scriptures are reading me right. throughout the day. Yeah. You know, and as you were talking about that, I was saying, I was thinking to myself, this is exactly how this passage that we've selected today ends with this asking God for this grace, create in me a pure heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. And that is give me some new grooves in my brain. Help me just have a pure heart, like create something totally new, let it be pure. But the truth is that's a grace we're asking for God. And yet there are things that we need to do to reframe the lies. And that's why I just love I love your daily decorations declarations. I was um, looking through them uh, just a little bit ago and thinking through how do these tie to Psalm 51? And you said one of them, shame is not my master. God's power is perfected in my vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I also thought of this one. I am an overcomer. I refuse to bow my knee to the accuser, listen to the voice of the adversary or flinch in the face of adversity. That is the actual opposite of what David is having to confess. Like when we no longer bow to the accuser, we no longer listen to the adversary. We flee in the face of adversity. And so, and I just, yeah, I, I think it ties so well in to people. If, if we are looking for ways to change our thinking, this is, this is a way that you've taken God's word and put it in such an accessible format that we can read over ourselves and recreate those groups. Uh, yeah, I love it. How, tell me about, is there like a particular one that's meaningful to you right now? One of the declarations? Yeah, I think one that, um, that I, I would say is meaningful to me, but also I would imagine is, is a, is a thought, a false belief that perhaps someone listening right now might struggle with, um, perhaps because of the last few years that we've been in, but, but that thought of, oof, it's only a matter of time until the other shoe drops. Yeah. I mean, how many more variants can we go through? You know, the news headlines, mm. you know, they're just mm. hitting. And it's just like, we're just like, uh, and, and I think that we can get in this groove thinking if it's only a matter of time until something worse happens. And, and, and that can happen after a series of disappointments and work 
or losing a job or the struggle for um, reemployment or, you know, sickness and riding what I call the horror coaster of the medical system when you have an undiagnosed mysterious illness, you know, yeah. whatever situation yeah. you're finding yourself in, it's just like you can get in that thought, you know, mindset when the truth is that really we serve a God who, though hardship and difficulty, come, though we serve a Christ who was like, I'm going to get pinned to a tree and flayed open like a fish and the most brutal, horrific, tormenting death, follow me, you know, like like that is the call of Christ. And so I think sometimes we're surprised when hard things happen in this life. Mm -hmm. But I also think that in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that struggle, there, there is this promise that God is with us and that God will carry us through. I know, um, you know, you think about the Israelites wandering in the desert and they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're lost and they don't have a GPS and they're spinning in circles and, and they're, you know, they're, they've lost the world they knew, the identity they knew, the culture they knew. And is even as oppressive as being human trafficked in Egypt was like, they kind of craved it because at least it was familiar. Mm. At least there was some mysterious upside down false sense of security in that. Cause they knew how it was going to go down and here they are without any security, without any sense of state wandering in a, in a bazillion degrees. And yet I think it's in the book of Deuteronomy, you know, God says to them at one point, he says, did you not know, like in the 40 years that you were in the desert, your shoes did not wear out. Mm-hmm. And that sense that like, we do not serve a shoe dropping God. God is not waiting to drop a shoe on you. I mean, some of us are hoping for a Prada, but like <laughs> the good ones, but like the bad, it's not, that's not who he is. That's right. Like he is so the good. one who splits open rivers, who provides water out of rocks, who provides healing in mysterious ways, who he is a God who's always there and oh, he's so there good. in it and through it. Well, Margaret, that is an amazing way to end just such a word of hope for us to remember who our God is. How can people find you after the podcast? Oh, well, come on over to margaretfeinberg.com. You can check out my website, lots of uh, fun little stories, a little Joycast podcast. Um, And uh, that's a great way. I also, um, I post uh, every so often on a fabulous little site you might've heard of called Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me there as Margaret Feinberg too. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Margaret. It truly has been a delight to talk to you today always a joy to be with you, Jody. Well, I also want to thank you for joining me on so much more because we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.